Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and I am ready to get back into the swing of things, so let's not delay. Let's introduce the guys. He is pumped for Frank Gore's boxing debut. Sam Blackett is with us. How you feeling, man? Doing pretty good. You know, if Frank Gore can have a illustrious boxing career like his football career, we'll be talking about him when he's 110 and still knocking guys out. He also asked Joe Rogan for medical advice. Jacob Allen is with us. What's going on, bud? Not a whole lot. I'm just chilling at home with the baby. And I am Sean Deegan, and I think Damon Arnett has a worse tracker, track record with cars than I do. If you know, you know. So I feel like I need to apologize initially out the gate. Our last episode where we recorded, uh, I failed to mention two things. One, I did get married the weekend before. And to the love of my life, Lauren, it was a great day. It was awesome. But what that meant was that our honeymoon was going to be the following weekend. So we recorded an episode. I signed off with the usual sign off and we will talk to you guys next week, which was never going to happen because I wasn't going to be in the state. So I apologize to all the listeners. I did get married, had a great honeymoon. Uh, and uh, guys, while I was gone, uh, anything, anything happened in the world of the NFL? Seems like it was just a real quiet week. Yeah, pretty much. No, nothing serious, you know, no car accidents or anything like that. You know? Literally picked the worst week to be off. Everything went kaboom while we were gone. So we're going to try and cover as much as we can. Obviously going to still stick to the Chiefs as they did get a big win here this past weekend. But good Lord, everything just went bananas, which kind of leads us to our first question of the night. What have we learned from these past two weeks of football? There have been some crazy upsets. Jacksonville knocks off Buffalo where neither team scores double digits. The Aaron Rodgers debacle. The Raiders have this weird dynamic. We have all these really likable players who seem to be upstanding guys like Derek Carr, Darren Waller, uh, Josh Jacobs. And then they also have Henry Ruggs and the Damon Arnett situation come up. And obviously John Gruden the week before we went off the air for for vacation everything's going crazy Odell Beckham Jr.'s fiasco with the Browns barely registered as the fourth biggest story in the NFL this past week um, and he's officially been released as of today as a recording here on Tuesday November 9th it's been bananas so what have we learned from these past two weeks of football Sam I will come to you first for this one no matter how much the Raiders try the Raiders will always be the Raiders that's number one. It, it, Al Davis's ghost will haunt that franchise for all eternity, and they will always just have dumb things happen. Uh, number two, I, it, this is a weird year because it is really everything's up in the air to an extent where, where we thought we had solidity within different teams being really solid. You see situations like Buffalo getting beat by Jacksonville. Now, again, Anybody can beat anybody on any, any given Sunday, but that's a pretty bad loss. And then obviously just the, the, the mention, because again, we are a pro Derrick Henry podcast. Get well soon, Derrick Henry. I'm glad we probably won't have to see you again this year, though. <laughs> For real. Jacob, what about you? What did these last two weeks of football teach you about the NFL and everything else that's gone on just these past two weeks? If you're going to mess up and make a mistake, don't leave a paper trail. 
don't record yourself doing something dumb. Uh, I think for me, it's, and, and I'll get more specific on this when we get to the Chiefs, but it's don't overreact too early. I feel like maybe my, I, will, I won't speak for, for you guys, but myself and fans like me tend to get wrapped up in the emotional roller coaster that is an NFL season, especially when things don't go according to plan. You know, I think if the Chiefs were five and four uh, and the offense was clicking, and Patrick Mahomes looked like an MVP, there'd be a lot less consternation. There'd be a lot less distress. People would feel better about where they are. But then you look at the NFL as a whole, the Titans are still the first in the AFC, even without Derrick Henry, and went out and smoked a really good Rams team to get to 7-2. and two. Like It's just one of those things that no matter how much these, these incredible beat reporters who I think we're really lucky to have in Kansas City, the, the journalists, the broadcasters, analysts, film review, no matter the people who can track anything that's happened for the past 10 years, you just can't predict what's going to happen in an NFL season. The Chiefs had a combined score of 20 points in their game between both teams that took the field and still were not the lowest scoring game in the NFL. I think it's important maybe for people like me, fans like me, who get caught up in that emotional roller coaster, even when things don't go according to plan, maybe take a deep breath, take a step back. And things might even out as we go forward. And speaking of the craziness of the AFC and the NFL, I mentioned the Tennessee Titans are atop the AFC playoff picture at seven and two. They would be the one seed of the NFL playoffs were to start today. Thank God they don't because the Chiefs still have a chance to hopefully push closer and closer and closer to that. But as of right now, this is kind of an interesting playoff picture. And so now that we're, we technically would have been halfway last week had we recorded, but since we're we're a little week late, let's take a a temperature check. Who is your guy's favorite right now coming out of the AFC, knowing that these are the teams that the Chiefs have to go through, especially if they're going to want to be serious playoff contenders. Jacob, we'll come to you. Who do you have as the favorite in the AFC right now? Can you make it a multiple choice question? <laughs> what are my what are my potential answers? No, that's kind of where I wanted to start anyway. So, you know, who are the candidates? Obviously, the Titans are candidate number one to look at because of where they're in the standings. Without Derrick Henry, though, it is tough to really believe in them. That's that's the only catch I have against them. But you're right. They came out with a great win against the Rams and as we say every week, it's a league of matchups. So they've just matched up well against the Rams. The other contenders are obviously Bills and Ravens, I would say, are your next two. And these are all the teams we mentioned in the preseason when we thought the Chiefs were one and everybody else was looking up at them. Turns out we were a little off with that. But I think I still like the Bills. The part about the Bills that scares me, though, is Josh Allen because I still see a guy that cannot throw the ball consistently accurate. But I do see the investments they made in their defense have paid off because that's what held them back last year against the Chiefs was Chiefs scored at will on them with running the ball and passing the ball. But I do like the improvements their defense made. On the flip side of that, the reason I like the Ravens is because of Lamar Jackson's playmaking ability. He seems to have found a nice, happy medium. But at the same time, the Chiefs were a fumble away from beating them in Baltimore. Now, playoffs are different, but still, it just shows you how thin of margins it is to win and lose in the NFL. 
And how about you? When you look at this playoff picture as it currently stands, who who do you think is the favorite right now in the AFC? I think if I just looked at the Titans and, and looked at, oh, yeah, they, they beat the Rams, who look like a very good team, 28 to 16, without looking at what the game was, um, I might be more convinced. But the Titans managed a whopping 194 total yards of offense. I mean, it's not like they went out and just annihilated the Rams. The Rams almost doubled. They had 347 yards of offense. They had more turnovers, which, as we've seen with the Chiefs, what turnovers do, that that tells – I think that tells more of the story of the game than just looking at that the overall score. So, I think the loss of Derrick Henry, at least – again, it's kind of unknown how long he'll be out, if he'll be able to make it back this year or not. I, I would assume that with a guy like him – They'll probably try to hold him out just to make sure that they can prolong his career as long as possible. Their offense isn't the same. I mean, they brought in Adrian Peterson, who is old. <laughs> like I love Adrian, but God, he's old. Um, so I, I mean, I think I think the Bills, even again, even though they had a terrible week this week, I think they're the most complete team overall. They kind of be my go-to. I would say. Just because I think even though, again, as as we've kind of established, I'm not the biggest Josh Allen fan. I think he has made enough improvements to potentially put him or put them in that place where they're they're the lead of the AFC. Because, again, I just don't think the team like no one's playing super well. Um, and so I think it is kind of up in the air this year. It's It's different than I think it's been in the past where you look at the divisional standings. And in most divisions, at least the top two teams um, outside the AFC South, which again is a terrible division, are either tied or one game apart from each other. So it's very close in all the divisions right now. I think for me, and maybe this is me buying into one player more so than a, a complete team, but I'm, I'm going to go with Lamar, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Part of it is because I just don't think they're ever out of a game. They seem to always be able to come back largely because of Lamar Jackson. I did pick him this year as a, a revenge tour, whereas I kind of predicted Josh Allen to take a step back. And both those things have more or less come to fruition. Josh Allen has taken less of a step back, uh, statistically speaking, than, than I expected. But there have at least the people I follow on Twitter have talked about how his accuracy to your point, Jacob has been more close, not as good as it was last year. Lamar Jackson brought his team back in four games. that They really shouldn't have had any business winning. And that's against the chiefs, the lions, the Vikings and the Colts. Um, I watched that Colts game. I've never seen Lamar Jackson look that good before. And to see him, stand in a pocket consistently throughout the third and fourth quarter and not look to break, not look to run and just fire lasers all over the field that were on point accurate and, and leading his receivers away from being hit and allowing them to gain extra yardage. It made me think that he might be good enough this year to overcome all of the injuries that that team has sustained between that and the emergence of Marquise Brown as, as, was looking like a potential number one receiver. I think those, those things combined make me think that right now they are my, they have the best chance 
uh, because they've got the guy at quarterback um, and a, like you said, a really weak division, like their, their next several games are Bengals or excuse me, the, uh, the Dolphins, the Bears, the Browns, Steelers, the Browns, then they get the Packers, then the Bengals, then the Rams, and then the Steelers again. It's not like they're playing a bunch of world beaters. So right now, I think they're my favorite in the AFC. On that point about favorites in the AFC, and this will help transition us into our our Chiefs discussion, how optimistic are we that the Chiefs can retake the AFC West. As of right now, if you go back to that playoff picture with the Titans at the top, Ravens are two, the Chargers are third, and the Raiders are fifth. So you already have two AFC West teams that if the playoffs started today would be in the playoffs with the Chiefs on the outside looking in. So how optimistic, knowing where we stand as of right now, are you guys that the Chiefs can take that next step and retake their position atop the AFC West, um, knowing that we are in Raider League? Raider week right now. Sam, we'll come to you first. Honestly, still not super confident in it. Um, I think it's probably going to end up being closer than maybe we expected it to be. But I, with the fact we already have one loss to the Chargers and we'll have to see what we do with the Raiders. Because, again, we always lose to the Raiders once. Somehow, it doesn't matter what the situation is. We will lose to them once a year, regardless of how good or how bad our team is. So I, I still don't see. I think, I think it'll end up being a lot closer than I thought, but I still don't have a lot of confidence in us being able to pull it out. Um, again, the the Chargers, the rest of their schedule is not crazy tough, so they're set to to kind of make a decent run at it. I mean, they've got. Vikings, Steelers, Broncos, Bengals, Giants, us, Texans, Broncos, Raiders. It's a pretty winnable schedule overall. So I, I still think the Chargers have a pretty good shot of actually taking it this year. Jacob, how about you? How how confident are you confident are you knowing the AFC playoff picture as it stands right now that the Chiefs can make the push necessary to take back the AFC West? On an overreaction Tuesday, this team's won two games in a row against you know, terrible QBs, but since I'm going to be overreaction Tuesday, there's no doubt in my mind they're still winning the AFC West. But in reality, I mean, the question is a great question because it's how optimistic can you be about a team that has not lived up to any standard that you've made for them? When you said they're the worst thing in the world, they come out and say, hey, actually, the defense can be good. When you're like, okay, this offense is cruising, they're like, we don't know how to play offense at all. Sorry. I've got zero optimism about it. I've, I'm just kind of waiting to see how it plays out, honestly. And I know that's not what you're supposed to say when you're on a podcast. You're supposed to have, you know, bold predictions. But I am in the boat of let's just see what happens. I am. I think I might be more confident than both of you after what I saw this past week. Uh, I didn't feel great about after the, the Giants win. I was like, wow, we're really struggling. But I am more of a believer after this past week that defense has turned a corner and I have ultimate confidence that Patrick Mahomes will eventually figure it out, that he will settle in, get confident again, and maybe not return to, you know, 2018, 2019 form, but I don't know if you necessarily need that. I think if you had 2020 Patrick Mahomes with the way that the defense has started to play and 
how your offensive line is currently structured versus how it was in 2020, I think that's plenty to take back the AFC West, especially if things continue to improve. I am a believer that the defense is, is starting to change. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that Patrick Holmes will figure it out. Knowing the things that the Raiders have had to endure, that's a lot to emotionally carry through an NFL season or any professional sports season. I guess it just depends on how much of a believer are you in the Chargers, which I think that will be the ultimate competition that the Chiefs face so far. But I am very confident that the Chiefs can take back the West at this point. Sean, to fully answer your question, it's kind of how I feel about the Chiefs because I am optimistic because of the mindset towards them of the defense has finally looked like what we thought it might in the offseason when they started playing the actual guys that they signed up for on the uh, sign-up sheet to put on their roster instead of the leftover scrap heap guys that have been hanging around because also we know how good Mahomes can be. So in our own minds, it feels like, oh, he's going to get it corrected. It's fine. So I, I think I like realistically with you that I felt way more optimistic after seeing just how much faster the defense looked this week. And we will get to the defense here in just a minute. We're going to start with the offense to your point about Mahomes, uh, Jacob. He hasn't been a hundred percent. We've had a couple of wins now where the offense has looked lackluster. Now, granted they are wins and that's always better than talking about a loss, but the offense has gone from really playing very well minus the turnovers to this past game they didn't have a turnover but still only managed to to put together 13 points which is wildly uncommon for for Chiefs football since the Patrick Mahomes era so I did want to get your guys opinions on what do you think is most responsible for the offensive struggles so far this season and I, I put a couple options on the rundown just kind of asked you to rank whatever like is it Mahomes is it the receivers is it play calling is it the new offensive line you know what what has precipitated this lack of production that the offense has had here of late like what do you think these this is the main cause of it and obviously it can be more than one but what's the most the biggest thing uh that's causing it um we'll flip it around and Jacob we'll start with you yes to everything Yes. Uh, you asked two different questions because you said, what's been the problem this season? What's been the problem as of late? I think it's two different answers because if you look at this week, I think you can put most of it on Mahomes and being, he looked broken this week. And I think any casual fan could see that, that the guy was not seeing receivers. He saw Travis Kelsey, by the way, for the people that are, thinking that's what I'm talking about. It's other stuff that I like. How did you not see that? But it just offense works when all 11 guys are on the same page. It's got to be that way. But it's If it's not uh, the quarterback missing a read, it's, it's a bad play call or a dropped pass or a missed block. Now, missed block hasn't been as big of an issue, and I know we're going to talk about that one as well. But to me, it's a combination, but if you're talking as of late, it's Mahomes. Sam, how about you? What do you think is is most at fault for the offensive struggles here lately? Sterling Sky Mahomes. It's the only explanation there is. It's the only way that we can explain Patrick Mahomes playing as terrible as he does. Is he had Quick a question. child? 
is that the baby or the dog? That's that's the baby. That's the baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Jacob can probably attest to this the most since he is the only one of us that has a child that maybe it maybe it takes a little bit out of you. Maybe it takes a little bit of the uh, the old gusto of the getting everything done on a day to day basis out of your out of your out of your life. But uh, that's my uh, only explanation. Sam, to answer your assumption, you know. I was teaching at about a 50% level every day, 50% effort. Now I'm at about a 25% effort on the day. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's, that's proof right there. It's gotta be the only, only answer. I mean, obviously. Oh. Um, but besides that, I do think there is a, is a level of, again, it's it, like Jacob said, it's evident something's going on with Mahomes. We don't know what that is, but I don't think the play calling has been, as effective as it needs to be with Andy Reid, if he has seen the same thing we are with Patrick Mahomes, if he's seen that, okay, he is struggling a little bit, something, something's not right in the system. I feel like there needs to be some adjustment within play calling to take the pressure or the, the putting the pressure on Patrick Mahomes as we have in the past. We need to alleviate that as much as we can and try to focus on other aspects to, to get the offense rolling. Cause Again, I thought the defense played a lot better this week. We'll talk about – we'll get into that in a second, I think, so we'll get into that. But the offense just looks stagnant. It just doesn't look – look e- like I said a couple weeks ago, it doesn't look easy like it has in the past. Everything looks like it's just hard to do everything. I am taking a different approach. I think Mahomes played his worst two games these past two weeks. I think what's most responsible if I had to pick – are are the receivers at this point i think it's close to half of patrick mahomes interceptions have come on balls that hit his receivers in the hands and ended up in a defender's that's just not acceptable um beyond that this this past week actually there there is a play and sam's gonna hate this but matt lane of kansas city sports network who is their offensive film analyst uh for for their whole new network they put together, it's absolutely terrific. But he highlighted the throw to McCole Hardman because that was the one, obviously, everyone was talking about. It's like, why would you take uh, a throw that your receiver's double covered versus the guy who's wide open 15 yards downfield? There is a moment where in that play, you see Mahomes double clutch. And if you have the all 22, the way Matt Lane does, you see McCole Hardman stop running and pull up. And then he sees Mahomes double clutch and he speeds up again. And then Mahomes lets it go. If McCole Hardman's running hard the whole time, does he make the catch? There's, there's an obvious option that with his speed, he probably gets there. And maybe that throw can go more to the outside of that safety and he's able to get to the sideline. So, so what you're saying, Sean, is McCole Hardman sucks. I am, I am saying that my prediction that McCole Hardman revenge tour yeah, might that, be the that... worst of my career. <laughs> it was bad. This was, this, was, this was a really bad week for anybody who wanted to defend McCole Hardman. Uh, the reason I bring these up is because like ty- balls have gone off Tyreek's hands multiple times for interceptions. Travis Kelsey, you know, the, to the point of Seth Kaiser and Matt Lane and everybody else who's Josh Briscoe, a lot of guys who I've listened to today that made me kind of think about this. 
we probably wouldn't be talking about the missed throw to McCole Hardman if Travis Kelsey catches the second and 10 ball that hits him right in the hands. You know, there's, I think that the receivers not playing up to what we expect from and having miscues that have resulted in crucial turnovers has caused Mahomes' confidence to erode slightly. I think, obviously, he's still confident in Tyreek Hill. We've seen that. He's still probably confident in Travis Kelsey. But it's clear he's looking for just those two guys. And if they're not open, he bails on clean pockets, looking to extend plays and try to find an open receiver rather than trusting the play that to develop. I think those have been a result of the, the receiver's inability to have someone step up as a true number two wide receiver. And then the key drops, the key interceptions that have gone off receivers' hands. One literally hit Jarek McKinnon in the face. And again, off a tip from, from a miscatch by Josh Gordon, but off his face mask for an interception. I think those things have whittled away at Mahomes' confidence. And when he's already trying to build a new rapport with a new offensive line that obviously plays things differently than when you had Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher on the ends. And I think that's why you're now seeing Mahomes not look like himself. So if I had to pick an order, I'd go receivers, Mahomes, and then the play calling has not adjusted to your point, Sam, to account for these things at this point. Now, it wasn't all negative on the offense. There's a in my opinion, we'll get your guys' thoughts here, one major positive from the offense, and that was the offensive line. We've been waiting for them to kind of gel, come together. Obviously, we've seen spurts of talent. The interior, I think, has been a consensus better uh, a better unit guard to guard, which is weird to say if you're a Chiefs fan. That's not something you've usually said. Uh, and rather than the tackles being the best parts of your offensive line, but this past game, I thought, was their most complete performance. They looked terrific. There were so many clean pockets that Mahomes was able to step up into. Granted, after that first drive, the throws didn't really come uh, consistently um, or with any regularity. But I thought the offensive line looked terrific. Um, what about you guys? Sam, I'll come to you here first. How, what did you think of the offensive line's performance? How would you grade them this past week? No, I, I, they definitely looked a lot better. Um, but I, I don't know how much of that is just overall improvement or we finally went up against a team that doesn't have just an elite pass rush. Because I think we went through a stretch there where we were just going up against team after team after team of just kind of murderer's row of, of defensive line. <laughs> and I think it made everyone look worse than they they maybe worse than it actually is i did think that that uh this was orlando brown's best game pass blocking um i thought he his his ability to hold that left side made the pockets look a lot better this week again we're having a, a revolving door at the right tackle right now so it's kind of we'll have to see what happens there but but no it, it definitely was was better for sure um i think it it definitely was aided by not having just the elite pass rush that we have been having to go up against and people not lining up 10 yards outside Orlando Brown and just running as fast as they possibly can um, to see if they can get to Patrick Mahomes helped a lot too, but it, it was, it was improvement. Jacob, how about you? What, how would you grade the offensive lines performance against Green Bay? Yeah, I think you could give them an A. They, I thought they played pretty admirably, admirably. 
we had talked about Orlando Brown Jr. having a pretty rough go of it a couple weeks ago, and he wasn't noticeable at all this one. But I think Sam is also right that, like we say every week, it's a league of matchups. And, yeah, the Packers don't have anybody right now that is just a killer pass rusher like we've seen over the last couple weeks. So that's part of it as well. But I would give him an A, and I thought the run blocking also looked good. And I do think part of the it not working was because of Daryl Williams being a below average running back and it doesn't wait on any block ever and just takes off and runs at the gap you're supposed to run it, whether or not it's there. So I'm also excited to hopefully get Clyde Edwards Hilaire back because I don't know how many of you saw this week the tweet that went out about <laughs> Basically, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is worth one more yard a carry, every carry than Daryl Williams is. And that may not sound significant to the non-stat junkies out there, but it is a huge difference when it's a full yard. It's massive. It's literally different to being an average running back and a Hall of Famer in some cases. I I thought they looked, like I said, I thought they looked absolutely terrific. And to your point, Sam, the Packers are definitely – Closer to the Bills in that it's more about the unit generating pressure than like the Browns where it's Miles Garrett, go crush a quarterback. But I think that to me is encouraging in some ways because you can't zone in on any one guy. And granted, the Chiefs don't chip ever, but I think it's harder in some ways to game plan for four guys that are all solid and too good at their jobs versus there's one guy over here that we got to take out. Um, I, I thought that, like you said, Orlando Brown Jr. was, was terrific. Um, Jacob, I thought the, the way you said it where he, we didn't notice him. I think that's so important is that you don't notice these guys. I, I still love that when Trey Smith just murders people that his helmet comes off. Every time I'm hoping that's a thing that when he just pile drives a linebacker or a defensive lineman into the ground, the helmet just pops off. Cause we saw that back-to-back weeks where he took a defensive lineman's soul in the giants game and then put a linebacker into the dirt against the Packers. Both times the helmet pops off. It's just, it's an awesome look. Um, and on top of that, the glorious head of dreads that come out of that. Oh, helmet. he's just got great <laughs> hair. It's just such a great look for him. I just love it. It's awesome. Uh, Creed Hum- Humphrey, I think to your question, Sam, that you asked when we dra- when the Chiefs drafted Humphrey, what would make a center worth a second contract? It's what Creed Humphrey is doing right now, where he he helps on every single every double to the where that player is sealed off, but then goes to the second level and is able to take out one or two guys along the way. Uh, on top of just not allowing any pressure to come through him. I think we've learned how valuable Luke Sniang is as well, um, and maybe to a lesser extent Mike Remmers. So hopefully they get those guys back soon because I think that was the only weakness in the offensive line was Andrew Wiley when he went out to right tackle. Yeah, I'm really surprised Jacob hasn't mentioned his favorite player came back. <laughs> the this week. I was going to say we got McCole Hardman in like early for us. And he hadn't mentioned Wiley's name once. And Wiley came in and just immediately gave up a sack. So I was really surprised that he was as quiet as he was. Listen, 
He should have been cut years ago. He's the Dan Sorensen of the offense. I refuse to even say the man's name. <laughs> when they featured him on The Kingdom, which I've also given up on because when you're a parent, you don't have time for mediocre sports coverage. When they mentioned it, a feature on him on the, the kingdom, I was like, what are you doing? Why? Why this? <laughs> he's not even going to make the team. Because he's a streamer, Jacob. <laughs> One yeah. more thing I do want to bring up that got brought up in our chat was that run blocking and just how the Chiefs can't block. Nobody in the NFL can run block anymore. It's just so tough to. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't get all that many just <clears throat> Chiefs, 2003 Chiefs offensive line deals because – the defenders are such so much different now. It used to just be like, all right, we'll get our strong guys and hit their strong guys and move them out of the way. Now it's just like every single guy has the ability to get off a block, and everyone is so fast and strong that maintaining a block on that guy is so challenging. And then when they slip underneath you and you end up getting the hole and go back 10 yards, then you're out of options to run the ball. But it is interesting that that idea is out there that the Chiefs aren't good at run blocking because they, they actually are, but at the same time, the NFL, it's so tough to run block anymore because of the athletes that play the game. Well, and also, and then just I won't pull on this too long, but Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus, he's, he, he and Saran Petro and Jeff Tadia have started two different podcasts, uh, the Two Deep Podcast, which is their more, more general NFL podcast, and then their Red, White, and True, which is Chief-specific. And Eager talked about how he thinks – the uh, zone read, the zone read option is partially what's killing the run game, specifically talking about for the Chiefs. But I wonder if you could go across the NFL and look at it because a zone read, you're not exactly coming out firing off the ball the way you might if, if you're like the Titans and you're running power football, where it's, I've got Derrick Henry behind me. You all better get off the ball and knock the guy out in front of you. Whereas zone read, it's you can't get upfield too far, or you're going to get an illegal man downfield penalty as an offensive lineman. So you got to kind of half commit, and then you're able to fire off if Mahomes gives the ball to the running back. But if not, and he pulls it and wants to throw, you still have to be able to be in a position to pass block. So to your point, Jacob, I I would I would kill for someone who has more time and dedication to this kind of thing to do a study on how much the run game has deteriorated since the zone read option made its way into the NFL. Um, how much has that affected teams that were predominantly run, run fit teams that have now kind of moved more towards that. Uh, it that seems to be the only it. way the NFL runs the ball anymore. Outside right. of like you said, the Titans. Right. It's a, it's a weird package when you see anybody line up in any sort of power formation, whether that be, an I formation, strong formation, or even just double tights to run the ball in a single back. But you just don't see it. It's so strange that it disappeared so quickly. You say that, but if a lot of the running plays, the Chiefs, when you're seeing Darrell Williams take the five to ten yard rushes, those are pretty much pure power plays. That's when I mean the only you're pulling. It's usually a pulling guard, and they're and it's usually Trey Smith pulling off to the left side. And it seems to be very effective to this point where they just say, let's move the two biggest guys on the team to one side of the field with Trey Smith actually getting ahead of steam and see where this goes. So I think the, the read option or the, the zone read became popular when you had backs like uh, LT that just, that's what he did. 
Like he was perfect. Um, Ladane Tomlinson uh, was perfect at that kind of cut read. Priest Holmes was good at it as well, though. He was more of a let's just use the greatest offensive line that's ever played the game and run the ball. But now I think the reason it's not as successful, again, is because you have these athletic linebackers who can just flow with the play and fill that hole as soon as it it, it, it opens up because that was the whole point of the zone read was the ability that wait, 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 there's a whole go. These linebackers are just like, all right, I'm just going to follow right with you. And if you don't, if you're not that fast at getting into the hole, I'm going to be there as quick as you are. So it's just a change of that. So I think the the power play will actually come back into to style with our offensive line. If Andy Reid realizes, continues to realize that, yeah, it works really well when you use the size of our offensive line against smaller players and just try to outpower them, which Jacob's right. It doesn't always work because guys are just freaks anymore, but it, it seems to be pretty effective on occasion when, when they do get, get the right blocks going. I already went down this road, so I, I need to keep going down this road. My dad just brought me the uh, Larry Johnson and Priest Holmes jersey out of our family collection. Mm. And, uh, you know, we've talked about the finances of our families before, and they're both <laughs> screen print jerseys, of course. I mean, yeah. you shouldn't Walmart, expect anything you know. else. Right. Yeah, the Walmart screen print jersey. You know, in fairness, I think one of them is not the Walmart screen print jersey. I think it's the like, Reebok. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Reebok got a Christmas print. bonus that year. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But my question is, how many times a week is it appropriate to wear those? All of them. Because that's the only way people know. You don't want to wear them out, though. That's the only <sighs> thing. That's fair. Like, well, I think I, I've come to find as long as you don't put them in the washer, they're fine. Oh, so you just, <laughs> freeze, you just put them in the freezer? You just do exactly. that method. Exactly. You can't put the screen print jersey <laughs> into the washer. Otherwise, your Dwayne Bow jersey turns into oh. like a, is that Brody Croyle? Is that one, two, or is that eight, two? I'm not even sure at this point. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Just don't wash your, your, your clothes. They last longer, especially the jerseys. Last thing here on the offense before we switch to, I think, what is mostly positive on the defense the Chiefs have gotten two wins these past two weeks against two tough teams. Um, not tough teams, two rough teams, I should say. That one is obviously a winning team when they have their starting quarterback. One was absolutely not. So how long do you think the Chiefs can continue to win games with the method that they've, they've gone through these last two, where the defense has started to pick up but the offense has kind of become lackluster. How long do you think that is sustainable before we have to absolutely see some improvement from the offense, the way we've, the way we've seen from the defense? Um, Sam, I'll come to you first this time. It's over. It, it can't. I mean, the rest of the schedule, you can't not score points against these teams. I was looking at it. I thought the Steelers sucked. They're five and three. How did that happen? Like, when did that – I? everyone talks about the Steelers not being good. They're second in their division. So, we have either the – I think the first place – I don't remember where the Bengals – I think Bengals are last place, aren't they? So, they're the only not first or second place team that we will play in their division the rest of the way. Jeez. Well, that's discouraging. Jacob, how about you? Do you think – how long do you think this is sustainable uh, for the Chiefs to win 
if their offense doesn't get things turned around. Yeah, Sam's right. It's not. You're not going to win very many games in the NFL scoring 13 points. You don't get to play the backup quarterback every week. Daniel Jones is a backup quarterback that for some reason the Giants have rolled with for multiple weeks at this – not multiple weeks, multiple years at this point. I don't get what they see in that guy. It would be a serious question for me between Jordan Lover, Daniel Jones. I know that wasn't the question, but you don't get to play those guys every <laughs> week, so 13 points isn't going to get the job done. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think I can add any more to it. I think that the defense would have to turn into the the what was the year Manning went to the Super Bowl 2013 Broncos. I forget. Um, one they went and won where Vaughn Miller was just that's 2015. Oh, was 2013, 2013 was when they were the offensive juggernaut. 2015 is when they were the defensive juggernaut. Yeah. That year, I think you have to do that in order to be able to score seven, uh, uh, score one touchdown a game, and and feel comfortable. So, hope, I appreciate what the defense has done, but the offense does need to start to figure some things out and push back towards what they've been um, since Patrick Mahomes became the starter. Let's go ahead and flip sides of the football, though, and look at what I think was a, an impressive performance in some ways. We'll find out exactly how much here as we get into this conversation. The Chiefs were pitching a shutout until a guy who was on the field who shouldn't have been on the field was on the field and gave up a touchdown with one of the worst defensive plays I've ever seen. So the question is, given how well the defense performed, statistically speaking, how much of what they were able to accomplish is a result of the improvements we think are there and how much of it was Jordan Love was that quarterback. Um, we'll flip things around and Jacob, I'll start with you for this one. No doubt Jordan Love being a quarterback really helped. I mean, there's always, there's always a caveat with any point you're trying to make in the NFL. So <laughs> don't get yourself too worked up on the details, but the things that are encouraging, and I think the what reason we all feel the same, Coverage was tight on guys. Traverius Ward being back was a big deal. That dude was glue on Devontae Adams as much as anybody can be glue on that man. And Sean has said past weeks, and I didn't really put it all together until really watching him this week, Ward is the big difference maker when they go up against big physical receivers. He's the one that can match up well with them. But so that, that being number one, the coverage was great. And then when he wasn't covering it, it was Tyron Matthew being the all-pro type safety we know he can play as instead of, you know, worrying about his social media. And then just the speed of the front seven was so much more encouraging between actually having Bolton and Gay on the field as your main guys the majority of the time. And then Melvin Ingram, you could just see the difference. There's so many times where watching quarterbacks outrun the Chiefs front seven, it's like, what in the world's going on? But with the newer guys in there, huge difference of, you know, just two or three yards a play difference, which is, of course, kills first downs. Sam, how about you? How much of this would you attribute to the fact that the Green Bay Packers had a backup quarterback who never made an NFL start? playing in this game versus how much of it was actual improvements by the defense. Yeah. I mean, no doubt if Aaron Rodgers is in that game, it is a very different kind of game, but the, 
flustering a young quarterback comes from pressure, which as Jacob kind of alluded to, we saw this week. We actually saw our our defensive line do something. Side note, real quick, maybe this is me being a number number purist, an old school number purist. 24 on a linebacker is the grossest thing I've ever seen in my life. I do not like 24 on Melvin Ingram. It is uh, it doesn't look <laughs> sorry, just just purists here, I guess. But Sam, real quick throw to another podcast. I was listening to the Times Hours one on the way home today. That was one of the funniest parts was Seth Kaiser was at the game and he couldn't he couldn't tell. He could see 24 and he's like who is that? Because yeah. he had forgotten that it was Melvin Ingram. And He's like, we have a massive defensive back on our team. That that was my first thought. I was like, who is this guy? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Melvin Ingram wearing the worst number I've ever seen a linebacker. <laughs> oh, for but, a second, I had the same thought. I was like, is Kendrick Lewis back? Yeah. Or like, <laughs> is that is that what? Who are those guys that the Chiefs always sign to the practice squad as linebackers that I can't remember their names? D- Damian Harris, Darius Harris, wh- who? Which guy is that? Kendrick Lewis wishes he filled out a jersey the way Melvin Ingram did. <laughs> but caveat over, he is a much better pass rusher than anything we've had on the team. And the best thing about that, Chris Jones doesn't have to play end anymore. It's over. We're done with this stupid ass experiment where Chris Jones is playing out in the position he doesn't know how to play. Because guess what? When he plays defensive tackle, he's good. Like real good. Like people can't block him. And it, I think maybe hopefully Spags remembers that after this week and just says, okay, Chris, you're sorry. The, it was fun, but we're going to play you where we, we play you usually. But no, it, it was an improved defense overall. I mean, seeing the consistent – the, the cast of characters that we just pray never see the field again, continually seeing playing time is still frustrating because even, I mean, Sorensen gave up that touchdown. I think what it was three or four plays before, if we hadn't gotten pressure, they got uh, Ward got burnt and Sorensen was supposed to be the deep safety. And he just was stuck in the middle of the field looking at, um, I can't remember the wide receiver that was running straight downfield, but Love got pressure and had to throw it, just threw the ball away. So it's just, I, again, I feel like a broken record. Why is he out there? But it's going to be a continued question until we see the answer or still see him out there. And I guess the, the nice thing is when Ben Neiman's out there, they're just blitzing him now. So at least they realize that, hey, that's what he's decent at. So if he's going to be out there, let's just do that. I think the difference for me in this one, why I give more credit to the defense then maybe I might have before like we did with the Washington game where we're like, Oh, they, they played. What is it? Is it Taylor or Tyler? I can't remember. Tyler, Taylor Heineke. Like you played that guy. This I think is more relevant because while yes, he's a rookie quarterback. Look at what Jalen hurts did to you earlier this year. I think Sam was the one who called him as like a, a diet version of Patrick Mahomes in that game. And while Jalen Hurts isn't a pure rookie, this is his first year as like the pure starter. And he lit you up. And, and that is a discouraging thing to see from a young quarterback that you want to generate pressure against. Um, this time they were able to actually generate pressure that affected the quarterback. They did what they were supposed to do against a rookie quarterback. And I think that is something that if this defense was earlier in the year, that may not have happened. 
and how much of that is Melvin Ingram coming in and literally the first third down just moving a right tackle into the backfield immediately to push. Uh, oh God, his name just left my head. Um, Jordan Love off of his spot and make him move right away. Don't even give him a chance to get comfortable. I think between that and them actually being able to force third and long were, were why I give the defense performance a lot more credit than I might have otherwise uh, earlier in this season. Real quick, the other thing about the defensive line and just the question, why did it take us getting another pass rusher to see Frank Clark do pass rushing moves? <laughs> because I, he, I Frank know. Clark actually looked pretty decent this game he's as well. Looked, he's looked really – he's had like, three like, games where he's looked really good or started continuing to improve. I wouldn't even say he looked decent. He looked like the best defensive lineman. Yeah. Well, Chris Jones. Not the best, no. if, if, his, yeah. if his wrist wasn't hurt, Chris Jones could have had eight tackles for loss in the game. But his, you could tell his wrist was hurting, and he was just like – he'd get in the backfield and just be like, hey, I'm here. Will you fall down? <laughs> Which, by the way, on well, that right point, now. has there ever been a bigger disservice done to a player on an injury report than he has a sore wrist versus he has literally torn tendons in his hand? <laughs> like, good. Yeah, I, I feel I need to go back and I, I think, like, retrospectively apologize to him for making fun of him because Thule was playing with a broken hand. <laughs> he's like, so, sorry, the Chris Chiefs Jones. are like, he's got a sore wrist. It'll be fun. It's like his yeah. tendons literally aren't attached anymore, guys. Like, let's give the man some credit. Exactly. Yeah. Sam, you know what? You, you tear some tendons in your wrist and still try to do your daily routine and see how that goes. It's going to be real hard to type on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, to your oh. point, though, Jacob, about Frank Clark, and I know that PFF is not – it swings for me where sometimes it makes a lot of sense and sometimes it doesn't. But they did grade this this game as Frank Clark's best game of his career, not even just, like, with the Chiefs, like, ever. They how, – how often he got pressure, how much he disrupted things. They said, like, he was a huge impact in this game. So, yeah. while Chris Jones, so I still would say, is the best – why did it take us getting another pass rusher for him to be like, okay, I guess I have to do stuff now. I am buying, (laughs) I'm buying more and more into the, he is not, he was not healthy at all. Um, Based on how he talked about his, then his press conference, I think it was after the giants game. He talked about how he came into training camp was finally healthy. Got, got his, his quote unquote, what he called his training camp legs under him. And then his other hamstring went and he was like, God, what the heck? And then like, he's, he starts to get better. Well, I think it was, it was the same hamstring from 2020. Then he's finally starting to get back healthy and the other hamstring goes. And he's finally in, by the time he's finally like back on the field, he he's not right. He hasn't developed the, the cardio or the, the anything that you would need to build up in training camp physically. He wasn't there. I think now you're seeing a Frank Clark, and this is my best guess. This is not anything I, I obviously know or anything, but my best guess is that you're finally seeing a Frank Clark who is healthy and confident to explode off of his off of those legs and not feel anxious or hesitant because of those hamstrings. Because as a guy who has pulled his right hamstring a total of seven times in his life, one of those being 
what I'm assuming was a near complete tear in a church league softball game at age 16, that thing will mess you up like mentally, not even physically. Like it took, it takes a long time for you even mentally to ever feel confident to move quickly, much less run and explode the way you might before take my experience and multiply it by infinity and put that on a, a, a professional athlete. I imagine that this is my best guess to your question, Sam. This is, this is the result of a guy who is now healthy and confident on those legs. But, I mean, he wasn't just the only one. Like, the defensive line, like, Melvin Ingram made a huge impact. And, I, and Jay, we talked about that. I think we all three of us talked about it in our, our text group because we have one, and there's the one that's with uh, everybody that Jacob knew from K-State and then me and Sam, who he was kind enough to include in that group uh, when we were all growing up together that let's be honest i don't really participate in that group you're there you're still there <laughs> i sometimes look in just to see what what is if you message it's a it's a big moment it's it's like the president showed up um because you're barely there uh and the right. real reason is i was tired of getting the multiple texts that said the same thing right which makes I was like i'm gonna put the people that text me during the chiefs game all in one group which to be fair did cut back on the same text messages a lot like, but you see one person say it, and you're like, "All right, I guess that's been said. I'm moving on to the next thought." But I, we talk, we've all talked about how I think Sam, you said is like, I love that. I love it when we trade away picks for a guy that we could have had in the building in the off season. And and that was kind of my thought. It's like I liked in a vacuum the move that he was finally here. But if you look at the whole picture of how he got there, it was really frustrating. And I'm like off that wagon entirely after seeing him in this, in this game where if he's your third best pass rusher, good Lord, he obviously still has some juice and you started to see better stuff from Jaron Reed. You started to see better stuff from Tershawn Wharton. Mike Dana becomes a rotational piece. This defensive line. If, if Frank Clark and Chris Jones are going to play like that and now you throw Melvin Ingram into the mix and you let everybody else just be a role player. I think we could see some really big performances down the stretch here. It basically is what we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year. Right. Right. (laughs) They are who we thought they were. (laughs) And we let them off the hook. And we let them off the hook. (laughs) So now. Uh, Let's take it. Rip Dennis Green. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Dennis Green. One of those underrated moments (laughs) ever. Let's take a couple of, of steps uh, back, specifically into the defensive backfield. And you had mentioned it earlier about Traverius Ward, Jacob. I think if you were looking for a reason to give Traverius Ward a contract extension, this was your game. Because the defensive backfield, outside of the guy we previously named, looked terrific. Uh, Legarius Sneed and Traverius Ward took turns with Devontae Adams. Traverius Ward actually traveled with Devontae, which I don't remember ever seeing that in the Spags defense where the corner traveled. Like, that's that's mm. new. Um, but both of those guys just locked up what most people consider to be the greatest wide receiver in the NFL today and held him to 42 yards receiving. Granted, on six catches, but when you can minimize the damage they do when they have that many receptions, that's incredible. Um We'll flip things around and, and Sam come to you start here. How would you grade the defensive backfield's performance in this one? Uh, it, it was solid. Again, it'd be a broken record. It all starts up front. I mean, 
it's really hard to grade a team, a defensive backfield when there absolutely is no pressure because you can't guard someone for five, five, six seconds. Like in the NFL, that's, that's an eternity to try to, to try to lock someone down. So the fact that they did have to, they only had to lock a guy down, even as good as Devonte Adams is for a shorter period of time, this game helped them tremendously, especially considering the kind of cornerbacks we have. We do have big physical cornerbacks. We don't have the guys that just sit out there and run. Um, like even Snead is not a guy that can just sit there and run with guys the entire game. He's a big physical cornerback. So they definitely played a lot better. I thought our safety play was much better this week more than anything. I mean, even the one big play that like Thornhill gave up, I put that in quotations because I thought he was in great position. And honestly, just that was just a great play um, to get the ball. And then uh, Tyron, the, uh, I think it was the running back that kind of managed to rescue that out of his intercept or just missed interception. So, but I thought the safety play was a lot better. And then just not having to guard players for six seconds at a time just made the defensive backfield look a lot better. Jacob, how about you? How would you grade the the boys in the back performance in this one? <laughs> the boys in the hall. You're making me think of any time they go to a rain my, delay for a Royals game. My 90s is showing. <laughs> we go back to the boys in the hall. You oh, can boy. go ahead and turn the TV back on. We're still in that rain delay. <laughs> uh, uh, A for the guys that should have been playing the entire time. And then F for when Steve Spagnola still wants to put his job on the line play the two guys that everyone knows should not be playing which weirdly they got to play in the highest leverage situations it's like all right third and long who should we get out there get them out there get those two guys out there who can't cover people those two guys they're gonna know where they should be when they watch the Packers players catch it 12 yards down the field they'll they'll be able to they'll know where to watch them from I promise and then of course, the play everybody's talking about where our friend decided to do the limbo underneath the Packers receiver out of bounds. It looked that was what it looked like. But outside of those, great. Like I said, Ward was glue. Tyron Matthew played like an all pro. I had a couple of clarifying questions on the defense for you guys. You mentioned Tershawn Wharton. The only time I noticed him, he was playing in. Is that correct? He played – I think he he played a little both. Um, I want to say doing one, stunts to the end? He had a bunch of stunts as well. But he did play defensive tackle a little bit. I think the the major pressure he got where Jordan Love escaped outside the pocket, he was a defensive tackle at that play, on that play specifically. So, I think they're playing him – they're, they're be able to move him around a little more now that we do have a lot more depth returning oh, okay. on the defensive line. And then the other one, did Mike Hughes play this week? He hasn't played much of late. Um, I think that his play <clears throat> combined with Rashad Fenton's ascension have made that a pretty easy call for them. Where yeah. Fenton's played there's another really we well. Yeah, and Hughes has not been been a great great surprise. Yeah, and between that, if you're going to have three corners and Fenton's your third, that's awesome. I'm thrilled. And you're going to have to – and the the only negative is that you're going to have to re-sign Fenton and Ward. 
like this <laughs> offseason. So it's a, it's a tough time to get them both on contracts. But I think if this is this was your game to look at it and go, we maybe we need to start working on this. Like, I, hey, Tyron, we'll get to you if we can. But corner is an important position that we have not invested a lot in. And we have two guys here that have shown the ability to like Fenton the ability to play inside and out effectively and Traverius Ward when he's healthy. Great. You know, the, the big thing for me is that in this game, Traverius Ward turned his head and found a ball. Like it wasn't just like, I'm going to blanket you. It's like he found a ball and knocked it down. Like Let, let's, let's be, let's, let's settle down just a little bit. He didn't see the ball at all. We all know <laughs> Traverius Ward is actually blind. <laughs> he turned his head around and the ball hit him in the hands. He just he he happened to find it somehow. I'll take how, however it got there. Uh, like that's that's been the big critique on him is that even when he's been in great position, he hasn't been able to locate the ball and make a play on it, whether to knock it down or pick it off. And he was better at that in this game. Uh, Legarius Sneed, you know, Jacob and I were going back on back and forth on Twitter a lot during the game, and uh, you mentioned I should go back to my – I forget what we were talking about, but you say go back to your Legereus. Oh, it was McCole Hardman. That's what it was. And I was talking about how I, like, felt really bad about my pick as him as a uh, uh, fantasy football sleeper that you could get late. And you said stick to your Legereus need all pro picks, and this was the game for him to come back and look like that guy again. And maybe, Sam, to your point, it is the pressure has finally started to come and these guys can play a little more easy – and and take more chances on making plays and I feel like they just got to stick with their man for five six seconds and hope for the best but again I think this is another reason why I put more stock in this game than I have in other games where it's like well how much of this do we put in who they're playing versus are they actually improved you had to play some of the best at their positions you know Devontae Adams uh Aaron Jones A.J. Dillon coming out of the backfield that offensive line is still a good offensive line and, and you abused them and all those things combined make me think that, okay, this is really a definitively improved unit and we should maybe not expect to see them shut out a team through almost an entire game, but maybe we can see them where they start to hold teams to 14, 21 points in a game and, and have a legitimate shot to win. Sean, one more Maybe final note on the defense. How many yards receiving do you guys think that Aaron Jones had? Yards receiving Aaron Jones had? Yeah, because well, yeah, the last time guys. they played, he smoked him, right? I say he slaughters a lot of NFL teams because of his catching ability. Yeah. I I don't even remember I don't remember him catching the ball. I'll say because I'm gonna undershoot it, I'll say 50 yards receiving. 36. Zero. Yeah, he had no catch. He didn't have any. Up. Oh, no, I, I, mean, I think part of that top. was it seemed like design as well, but it is impressive that for a position and a part of the field that has <laughs> absolutely destroyed the Chiefs in the past that they held that guy to no yards. Yeah. An, an attribution I will give 100% to Willie Gay Jr. covering Aaron Jones instead of Ben Neiman. I will <laughs> take that to my grave. So real quick before we do, because I'm assuming we're, we're done talking about defense – as a whole, I do want to go back to, to Sean's prediction on McCall Harbin um, just for fun. Cause, cause what was your prediction, Sean? I thought, 
I didn't make any specific numbers predictions that I remember, but I, I thought that he would be, he had a chance to be a legitimate number two. And if he put up 800 to a thousand yards receiving, I think that would be. I, I granted him that he should receive, get a thousand yards receiving. You did. And I think you guys said that that would be an amazing season. That's 58 yards a game in a 17 game season. And he's not going to touch that. And also, so, he's at like 342 or something. I yeah. looked this week. Also, uh, Cooper Cup has a thousand yards right now. Yeah. <laughs> I have him on fantasy. Yay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Not one of my better predictions. I, I remember saying something I'd take him in the fifth if he was there. That, that was awful. I would never <laughs> do that. Don't do that, guys. It was because of your lack of mock drafts. That's, that's what it was. It wasn't because you were thinking. <laughs> You hadn't done 18 mock drafts on ESPN with 20-second picks yet. That's what I needed to do, to do a lot more fantasy football mock drafts, not just my uh, NFL draft uh, mock drafts. That would make things a lot easier on me. Well, it is that time of year, folks. It is Raider week. And to Sam's point, these weeks are always a little nerve-wracking because you just don't know what's going to happen. The Raiders are obviously in the midst of – a, a truly tumultuous time. The Damon Arnett one is a situation where he has wrecked four different rental cars that they've been trying to work out the lawsuits on. He's he was caught on, I think it was TikTok waving a gun around, threatening people's lives on TikTok. It's that one's you're like, all right, screw you, dude. The Henry Ruggs thing is legitimately like tragic and sad and, and heartbreaking how that all went down. You top that all that on top of what's going on with John Gruden, and there is a lot expected of this team that looked like they were on the up and up, and now you just don't really know what to expect because the weapons are still there offensively in some cases outside of obviously rugs, but where's their headspace at? And, and so I'm not sure we really know kind of what we're going to get this week, which makes it all the more concerning from a football standpoint um, if we're just talking about football. Um, Sam, you said it, so I'll come to you first. Raider week is upon us. What do you think could cause the biggest problems uh, for the Chiefs in this one? I think in general it's the the same two weapons, obviously. Without uh, without rugs, the kind of triple threat, threat that we're always worried about kind of diminishes. But they, I mean, they still have some receivers that can cause problems. But you're still looking at, at uh, Josh Jacobs, who – obviously has been injured is he back this year this week i can't yeah yeah i think he's back at least so at least he was, he was when i was thinking about trying to trade for him in one of my other fantasy leagues yeah so i mean obviously an incredibly good running back when he's healthy he's been injured a lot um a lot of this year and then darren waller we know what kind of problems a tight end can cause hopefully our more athletic linebackers but i think the the biggest problem we'll have to face this week is Derek carr I think the most impressive thing about the Raiders is, again, Derek Carr has always been talked about. I think we've kind of been in agreement that we've always liked him as a quarterback. I think he's never been the top echelon of quarterbacks, but he's that that next-level guy. And I, I think he's a solid quarterback. And, and if this team is going to succeed, if they're going to get past all of the, the, the headaches and the, the – outside noise that's coming from the John Gruden thing and the, and the two recent um, legal issues with, with rugs and, and Arnett, it's going to be Derek Carr just saying, okay, 
it's my team. Let me just do what needs to be done. So I think Derek Carr is the only thing I'm, I'm truly worried about is if he can keep this team in, in tow and, and, and really control the, the, the locker room as a whole. Uh, one note, uh, they, did dis- they did sign Deshaun Jackson this week um, to, I'm assuming, fill the, the void left by Ruggs. We'll see how effective he is in a, on a short week of practice, but for him at least. Jacob, uh, what about you? What do you think could cause the most problems for the Chiefs against the Raiders? The Chiefs, again, I'll keep giving the same answer every week as the Chiefs are the biggest thing in the way of themselves. It will be interesting to see off the field dealings, how that affects the Raiders, because as Chiefs fans, we 100% know that it can, because that's just how it is. I have already deemed this game, you know, even on Twitter as well, as it's dysfunctional on the field versus dysfunctional off the field this week. So it'll be interesting to see whose dysfunction does them a bigger disservice. But you guys have already highlighted the players that the Chiefs have had trouble with over the past couple of years. The Chiefs have always had trouble with tight ends. It's not going to change this week. You're probably going to see a lot of Tyron Matthew on Darren Waller. Darren Waller is going to get the best of him a couple of times. It's just how it is. But that's you guys have highlighted everything pretty well at this point. On that note, let's talk about who our key players are for for the Chiefs in this one. Uh, I'll I'll take lead. I'm going to say whoever's playing right tackle, because I think Max Crosby is the only guy on the Raiders' front line that legitimately scares me, and he typically lines up over at left end over the right tackle. So whoever's over there at right tackle is going to have their hands full, and I'm going to need to see some either somebody shut him out or somebody go help Andrew Wiley over at right tackle to help do so, because that guy could give a lot of problems. Um, we'll flip things between you guys. Jacob, what about you? Who do you think is the key player for the, the Chiefs this week? Is Niang already ruled out for this week? I haven't heard anything yet. I, I didn't even see an injury report with his name. Ribs. On I know it was ribs, and that was – That's always weird and tough. Oh, that was said. Yeah, it's tough to say how long that is. It's like, is it a cracked rib? Is it? <laughs> Who knows? But also Kyle Long returned this week, so there's the possibility you may see Kyle Long out there, but I, would, I wouldn't think one week off of his return from injury you'd see him. My key player, I'm going to go to the other side of the, the uh, squad and not choose a Chiefs player. I'm going to choose a Raiders player. It's going to be, will Derek Carr be the guy he's been over the past few seasons or the guy that David Carr thinks that he is because – Derek Carr has a wide range of playing ability. He can be one of the absolute worst quarterbacks you've seen in that times. So he also looks like an MVP. If you're David Carr, though, your brother is always the MVP. And Sam, what about you? Who do you think is the key for the Chiefs in this one? This is the first week I'm, I'm going to just go with, the I think, the easiest answer, and it's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we've seen – the worst version of him we've seen since he's been a chief over the past couple of weeks. And either this week we need to see, or for me, what I need to see is either him being the old Patrick Mahomes, as far as his throwing ability, his accuracy and his connection with his receivers, or just making better decisions. Um, again, making decisions that are realizing that maybe things aren't clicking correctly 
So let's take the easier route instead of trying to bomb it down to McCall Hartman, because that's, that's the thing is that like that play to kind of go back to what we talked about where he, he double clutched it. Yes, that's worked in the past. And, but you have Travis Kelsey open in the middle of the field. So if it's not working, the deep balls aren't working anymore. Like they used to let's start dialing it back and getting what works and just taking what's available. So our offense is running more smoothly. So it's got, I think for me, it's got to be Patrick Mahomes this week. And on that note, let's get our, our predictions. We spared you those this past week and we probably would have been wrong anyway. Who would have thought it was going to be a combined 20 point game. So you're welcome. But we're going to subject you to our just always on the money predictions uh, that you should never go to Vegas with. We'll flip things around and Sam, I will come to you. Give me a final for this one of Raiders week uh, Chiefs versus a almost almost made it almost made it the whole podcast without saying Oakland and right at the end just just squeaks out Las Vegas uh Sam go ahead oh let's say the Chiefs 28 Raiders 17 I like that one I think that might actually be fairly realistic uh Jacob what about you what's your final 24-20 Chiefs, and Tommy Townsend has another fantastic week. Yeah, we didn't give special teams near enough credit in this podcast, but uh, both those guys, MVPs. For this Dave Tobe, coach of the year. <laughs> Someone gives him a head coaching job just based off this game. I'm going to say there's some improvement. Uh, I don't know if I'm as optimistic as you guys. I'm going to say 21-17 uh, to 17 Chiefs. Um, they do get the victory, but I'm, I'm not sold yet. That it'll, I think it might be a slower grind uh, for the offense to get get up back up into the mid-20s scoring-wise. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us tonight. We are excited to be back, and we appreciate you taking the time to spend a little part of your day with us. And uh, hopefully next week we'll get to be talking about a legitimate streak because it will be three in a row if the Chiefs get a W over the Raiders. Until then, y'all stay safe out there, and we'll talk to you next week.